Let's pray. Father, we thank you for getting us together into your presence this midweek. Lord, to study your word together. We pray that your anointing will rest upon pastor, give him wisdom, insight as he explains and teaches us and we will learn. Father, none of us, oh God, will learn, Lord, uh, the book of Revelation for the, for the sake of knowledge. Father, we will learn for our lives to be transformed. Father, so that we can trust your word, we can proclaim your word and be a blessing in this world. Thank you once again for this time. Thank you for the teachings that you have given us all these weeks. We look forward, oh God, for your presence and for your leading. Thank you, your hands we commit, commit pastor and commit ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, pastor. <clears throat> we are looking at the book of Revelation. It's all about Jesus Christ. It is revelation from Jesus Christ. It is about Jesus Christ. And God is telling us what will soon what must soon take place. Uh, we are in chapter 13. Uh, it's the satanic trinity, the dragon and the two beasts we are trying to find, figure out from Revelation chapter 12, 1 to 14, 20. Today, we all together will try to solve this apocalyptic riddle of triple six. This number has been... Uh, a number of interest. So all of us, whatever we have studied thus far, we will bring all our studies together and try to understand uh, this triple six. But <clears throat> before we uh, try to figure out, uh, we should always keep in our mind, when this number was read to the readers in those seven churches, how did they understand this number? Was it a riddle to them or they had some clue about this number? Uh, once we figure out that aspect, it will become easier for us uh, to understand the implications for us. Now, in chapter 13, we see that two of Satan's agents, they appear. In chapter 12, we saw about the dragon, and uh, dragon could not devour the child. So now the dragon is after the woman, uh, the, the offspring of the woman. And we said the offspring represents the church, and the dragon is furious. And as the dragon is standing on the seashore, we saw the first beast coming out of the sea, a frightful beast. We saw the description, how the leopard, the leg and teeth and head and all those things we saw. It was a frightful beast. And that beast was given power by the dragon. So we saw that this beast symbolizes the Roman Empire. Because in John's day, Roman Empire was the embodiment of Antichrist. In other words, any power that's against Christ and his people is an antichrist. So in John's time, the persecution was so severe. So the Roman Empire, uh, you know, this beast, we can say symbolized the Roman Empire. Now, 
although most of the details that we saw in chapter 13 verses 1 to 10 uh, could apply to the emperor of John's day, uh, in other words, you know, God's word is always relevant. So, in other words, it can extend to all totalitarian regimes uh, throughout history. You talk about Mussolini, you talk about Hitler, you talk about Stalin, you talk about Mao, you talk about Pol Pot. Uh, it, it, it represents all of them, all of them. Uh, you know, Stalin, uh, just in his 17, 18 years uh, regime, he uh, killed, the history says, roughly uh, 10 to 30 million people in U Ukraine. Uh, that's, that's the level of, um, you know, it, it's unimaginable. 30 million, 10 to 30 million people he just executed in Ukraine. So what do you call him? He's a typical antichrist. Uh, so this, um, the beast always represents the totalitarian regimes. Uh, any world power that is in opposition to Christ. Now, although it applied to the ruler of Rome in those days, John, somehow he is also anticipating the ultimate fulfillment in an emperor yet to come. We should not miss out on this. Though John is writing uh, to his readers, he is, it is, it's not a book about the past. It's also a book which is relevant to all of us. That's why it's in the canon. So John, he is anticipating its ultimate fulfillment in an emperor yet to come. So we said that uh, the, the Satan has to keep producing Antichrist because he doesn't know when Christ will return. The second coming of Christ, no one knows. So it is only at the second coming of Christ we will know who is the final Antichrist. Till such time, it is all the guesswork. It's all speculation because it's only the second coming of Christ which will decide the final Antichrist. So the final Antichrist is yet to come, and John is anticipating that that's going to happen. Uh, it'll happen one day. Uh, that's why in Revelation 17, 11, he says, the beast who once was, and now he's not, is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven, and is going to his destruction. He's, he's foreseeing the future and he's predicting this. So with this in our background today, we will try to look at the second beast. We have already seen the first beast uh, in chapter 13, verses 1 to 10. Now we are going to look at the second beast. So Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 to 12, then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth it had two horns like a lamp, but it spoke like a dragon. 
it exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Now, what are the differences between the first and the second beast? What are the differences? Is there a difference between the first and the second beast? The first was from the sea and this is from the earth. First. Yeah, one, one was from the sea. The first one was from the sea and this is from the earth. What else? There, there are several differences. Like um, the first one had 10 horns. Now the second one has two horns like a lamp. And the, the first one had seven heads and with 10 crowns on its horns. And we saw that it resembled a leopard, had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast its power, uh, its power. And it also had a fatal wound on one of its heads and it had been healed. Now, in the case of the second, um, it exercised all the authority on behalf of the first beast. And uh, this beast came out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamp. In the first one, we don't have that kind of a description. It only says it had 10, horn, ten horns and seven heads. Here it's specifically two horns like a lamp, but it spoke like a, a dragon. So generally what the commentators would say is, uh, since it has come out of the earth, so probably the first one was from the sea, this one is from the earth, basically this dragon represents to the local authorities, the local provincial council, the local authorities, because who supervised the imperial cult, um, that, 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 that's the kind of uh, explanation they'll give. But I don't think John is seeing any great difference because one came out of the earth and the another came out of the sea. I don't think John is seeing such kind of uh, difference, but definitely this lamb, it had two horns like a, uh, this beast had two horns like a lamb. We can clearly say, that you know you have the word lamp beast and two horns like a lamp uh, prob probably it is it's a kind of imitation of our lord jesus christ because uh, we have already seen that in Re in revelation chapter 5 6 then i saw a lamp looking as if it had been sl slain standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, the lamb had seven horns. It's some kind of an imitation, imitation of the lamb. Uh, the two horns probably also represents, and if you, if you read the book of Daniel, uh, you have that 
uh, you know, the ram and two horns. If you read Daniel chapter eight, uh, probably you get an imagery like this. Maybe it, it's from Daniel chapter eight. Uh, but one thing is clear that it's, it's a kind of imitation. Uh, as we have seen last uh, Wednesday, devil has no originality. Satan has no originality. And he's only copying. And his copying is also is not perfect. It is, again, a clumsy way of counterfeiting, uh, you know, copying the things. So it's not a perfect copying. So that's all we can say. Now, this is basically talking about an emperor cult. The emperor who says that I am God, you have to worship me. I, I, I'm sure that uh, the way things are going on, uh, you can see that what happens when a, uh, when a ruler is autocratic, all power is centralized in him. There is a tendency for that man to say that, now it's time for all of you to worship me. And that's exactly what was happening in those days. The emperor, it is, it is he wanted to promote that emperor cult and so the approval comes from the emperor. Uh, if you remember, I told you that uh, in, in Rome, it started when the emperor died, then they started deifying him. Then they said he's God. But very soon, the emperors who were in power, they said, I am God. Now you better call me Lord and God. And that's the kind of emperor worship that's going on. And most of the time they had the imperial priesthood. Uh, they promoted this. Uh, it's all about power, power, power. So they promoted and the local officials were always ready to toe the lines. Uh, if, no, uh, if you don't promote, then you don't have these uh, facilities. Uh, in other words, this second beast represents all pagan cults that participated in some kind of emperor worship. It, it represents uh, that kind of a trend. But uh, this lamb also speaks like a dragon. Uh, you know, when we come to the later uh, chapters, we will see that lamp of God speaks the word of God. We'll come to chapter 17 and we will see that. But here, the beast spoke like a dragon. Uh, so the beast from the earth is the lamp of Satan and it speaks the word of Satan because it spoke like a dragon and we have already seen that dragon is Satan. So the beast speaks the, the word of Satan. Uh, so we go to the next verse. Uh, this is the second beast. So we go to the next verse and it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Now, my question to all of us is, do you think signs and wonders are a must for genuine faith? Do you think signs and wonders are a must for genuine faith? 
Do you think that if there are no signs and wonders, that means our faith is fake, not real? No. Pastor, the Bible says John did know, John the Baptist, he did know miracles and yet whatever you said about Christ was true. So uh, from there we can pick out that it's not needed. Yes. Others, what do you think? No, we don't need signs or wonders uh, for faith. Sister, okay. Ruby, Sister Ruby, as uh, uh, Premaka, a new believers need signs and wonders. She has answered. Okay. New believers, yes. Now, why we should not insist on signs and wonders? Uh, you know, God has his own way of bringing people to salvation. Uh, if they need signs and wonders, God will definitely um, be gracious to do a sign and wonder in their life. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we should not uh, insist on signs and wonders because uh, in the days to come, or even otherwise, even today, there are many signs and wonders being performed. It's only we are not aware. Uh, you go and study about astrology, why people run after astrology, why people go to the, uh, why they do witchcraft. If you study all this, you realize that people have some kind of attraction towards uh, the signs and wonders. Uh, Astrology is a billion dollar industry in the world. Billion dollar. I'm not talking about million. Billion dollar industry. industry. And you will go and you will have the testimony of people saying that I went there. He told all the details about my past. And if you're a student of the word of God, and if you read Isaiah, the, the book of Isaiah, clearly says that these pagan gods will give you details about the past, but they cannot predict the future. They cannot tell about the future. And you, re you read the book of uh, Isaiah, God will keep challenging them. You know, they can tell the past, they cannot tell the future. So even when you go to astrology, they'll tell you your birth, your family details, everything they will tell, but they can't tell you your future. In fact, he doesn't know his own future. So only the past. We, we must remember that the Bible recognizes supernatural powers. Let us not become uh, so naive to say that there are no supernatural powers. Bible uh, recognizes some spiritual forces. These forces have some power and they can perform signs, wonders and miracles and the Bible talks about that. So let's not say it's all fake and nothing is happening. No, it's happening. Counterfeit signs and miracles will always happen till these uh, forces of darkness are nullified and destroyed. 
even in the ancient Mediterranean world, uh, there were so many wonder workers. If you read the history, by uh, you know, Domitian's father, the emperor Vespasian, he himself performed some miracles. Uh, people, sometimes they came to king for miracles, though there are no records to say that they were able to perform miracles. People came to king because he's after all his god now. Uh, uh, and also most of the time they went to the temples. Uh, we have already, uh, we have read about the Asclepius. So they went to those temples for healing and some kind of healing took place. And we cannot deny that. Uh, so John is talking about, if you, if, you, if you have just followed the previous two verses or the chapter 13, and when we come to this verse 13, John is talking about the combination of state power and occultic power. That's exactly happening in our country today. It is the state power plus occultic power. It's happening, it's happening. I don't want to get into those details. That's, that's what's happening. And John is talking about that kind of power where the state power and the occultic power. Uh, so he's talking about that kind of power. Now, even in the Old Testament, we have examples of uh, such great signs because in Exodus 7, 11, Pharaoh then summoned uh, wise men and sorcerers. And the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. You go to Exodus 7.22, but the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts. Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. And in the New Testament, Jesus said for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs, not just signs, they will perform great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. If possible, even the elect. They will do wonders on such grand scale. They will even, you know, they will deceive the elected people. That's what we have in 2 Thessalonians 2.9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. So we should not be surprised and signs and wonders should not attract us. It is the cross which should attract us. The day we stop looking at the cross, then we'll start looking at the signs and wonders and great creatures. We, our eyes should be always fixed on the cross because it was on the cross, my Lord died for my sin. It is not signs and wonders. It is my Lord 
by shedding his blood, he has saved me. And I should never move my eyes away from the cross. So this kind of signs will happen. And even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the uh, people. Now, in 1 Corinthians 4, 10, 20, it says, No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. Now, fire from heaven, uh, you know, even God's witnesses, they were able to bring down fire, which we have seen in Revelation 11, uh, 11 5. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. It's all a counterfeit of what's happening in the earlier time. Now the beast is trying to uh, replicate the same things. So we go to the next two verses, 14 and 15. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It deceived. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Now we watch all this carefully. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. <clears throat> History records of some magicians uh, simulating and moving uh, and making the idols speak. Uh, when you hear news like this, don't say it is impossible. Magicians have done this. They have made the idols to speak. So the, the same thing is happening here. It, it, the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It is basically, um, it's also refers to the emperor worship. In other words, instead of God being worshiped, the man is being worshiped. And this beast had so much of power, it can even cause the first image, the first beast to come to alive. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 13, one to three, we read that if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place, it takes place. And the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, you don't follow anything or somebody. 
because they perform signs and wonders. That is not the only test. Signs and wonders and miracles are not the only test to evaluate and assess uh, a man of God. <clears throat> uh, so the demand to worship the image, that'll happen. In other words, stop worshiping God, stop worshiping a man. That's going to happen. And it happened all through the history. If you read the Maccabean martyrs, you will find the same thing happening. And even in Nebuchadnezzar's time, this is what happened. Uh, so the John's audience were familiar with what's happening. So they could understand and they could relate themselves to the situation that they were facing. <clears throat> uh, we go to the next two verses. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. What is significant in this passage? <clears throat> what is significant in this passage? Now, the beast enforces a kind of unity that cuts across all social lines, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave. So a kind of unity that cuts across all social lines. Interestingly, God's judgment also uh, cuts across all such distinction. We already saw in Revelation chapter 6, 15, then the kings of the earth, kings, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves, and among the rocks of the mountains. God's judgment also cuts across all such social distinctions. It's very interesting. Uh, you know, one of the ways that the king uh, impressed his sovereignty among the people is by issuing coins, currency, bearing his image and title. Uh, that's the way they, they impressed the, on the minds of the people, the sovereignty. Uh, we have that uh, example when you know, people came to test Jesus. Should we pay tax or not? Jesus said, show me the, show me the coin uh, whose image it is. Caesar, give to Caesar what is due to Caesar. In fact, they wanted to find fault with Jesus. The Herodians also came. And if Jesus says something contrary, then they wanted to go and report to the Roman authorities. Here is Jesus who's telling us not to pay tax. Uh, so the Roman emperors, this is the way 
they wanted to impress upon the minds of the people their power, their sovereignty, their dependency on, on king. Uh, most of the time, it will not only have the, their image on the coin, and around that head, they will also have some references, like you know, di divine Caesar, you know, he, king is God. So they had references like this around his head. Uh, so John is referring to all that so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast uh, or the number of its name. Uh, so John says, a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. This is all symbolic. There's so much of symbolism in John's letter. He's just telling symbolically. He's not talking about exactly the right hand, forehead. Uh, in fact, if you read the book of Ezekiel also, we have a chapter where it says that, you know, the people, those who intercede, they will have a mark on the forehead. And uh, if you read the chapter carefully, what we make out is that mark is not visible to everybody. It's only visible to the angels or to God. It was, it was not a mark that was visible. So it, it's a kind of symbolism, uh, the language that uh, John is using. The history talks about a Greco-Egyptian king uh, who, had, uh, who had asked Jews to be branded with the ivy leaf. They have to have the, that image of ivy leaf, uh, they have to have uh, that is the emblem, the emblem of Dionysius. If you read the history, you will read that. Uh, in other words, to say that it all shows a kind of ownership, uh, or to say that to which empire you belong, to which king do you belong. It's it's kind of owning the people. Uh, people talk about chips. Uh, I don't think that chips are relevant in this particular place. Uh, towards the end, if we want, we'll discuss that. Uh, this is a kind of symbolic. In basically, it's talking about you're either you belong to God or to the world. There are two systems that is operating. One is the kingdom of God and the world system. Either you belong to the kingdom of God or to the world. Uh, that's, that's the kind of language that John is uh, talking. Uh, you know, we have already seen while, when we saw the seven letters uh, to the churches, participation in idolatry was a must if you want to carry out some economic activity. If you want to do business, you have to participate in those temple rituals. You have to participate in those temple sacrifices. Uh, so John is basically warning us that commercial discrimination will always be there against God's people. Uh, some of you face that in your workplaces. So do not be surprised. Uh, in the midst of that, ask God to give you grace and strength to live as a testimony for God. Uh, 
some of you are really facing those those kind of challenges right here, right here in Bangalore you are facing. Uh, some of you may not face to that extent. You face discrimination because you are a Christian. And John is telling this kind of uh, discrimination will happen, but we should not compromise on that. So we come to our final riddle. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, that number is triple six. Interesting. Several books have been written on this triple six and all of them have gone wrong while decoding this number. Uh, let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of the man, that number is triple six. Who do you think is triple six? Who do you think is triple six? Any guess? Antichrist, Pastor. Antichrist. What's the name of the Antichrist? At that time, it was Nero. That time, it was Nero. Okay. So, uh, anybody else? Anybody else want to make a guess of triple sex? Uh, now, ancients were very good at, at the use of symbolic uh, numbers. Uh, you know, of late, uh, the present day generation, they're not so good with numbers because they need a calculator. Uh, if you see the ancient people, they can remember, they can add, uh, they can do all that without a calculator because uh, they use numbers for every activity. So because they were so familiar, uh, this triple six was not a great uh, problem for them. It was not a riddle uh, for them. Uh, you know, if you're a math student, you will, you will know that this is a triangular number, but uh, John's readers did not know it was a triangular number and all that. But uh, how did they understand? So in John's time, uh, they there was value for each alphabet. Whether it's a Greek alphabet or a Hebrew alphabet, it had a value. So if you want to write the name of a person and you can, you can add um, uh, where is it? If suppose somebody's name is uh, just will a, B, will K, we'll spell it as A, B, Y. So if you give A value one, B value two, and Y 25, so that will be 27. So that's the way they had to calculate the value um, in the case of a person. Now, in this case, 
this was written in Greek. Revelation was written in Greek, though there are a few places where uh, Hebrew names uh, Hebrew names are there in the book of Revelation. So here also, now, if you take uh, <clears throat> the name of Nero, and if you use the Greek letters, you will not get this number. But if you take the name of Nero and you transliterate it into Hebrew language, uh, you will get this triple six, triple six. Uh, now, how did they do that? Uh, you know, the Greek, the pronunciation is Greek. He is known as Nero Kaiser. The pronunciation is a Greek Nero Kaiser, but when it comes to the value, they have to go to the Hebrew alphabets and then figure it out. Uh, so Nero Kaiser in Hebrew with appropriate Hebrew numericals, if you take, uh, you will get this value. Now, in the Hebrew language, they only used consonants. The vowels they did not use. So if you take only those consonants, and if you start adding those value, Nero Kaiser, if you take N, you get this is, if you read uh, Hebrew alphabets, you'll get to know that uh, letters, you will, it is 50. Then you go to R, you get 200. Okay. Then you go to a, W, this neuron, neuron. So if you go to W, you get uh, six. And then you go to K, N, you get 50. And then you go to K, it is 100. And then you go to S, 60. And you go to R, and you get triple six. Uh, in fact, uh, there were certain manuscripts where it figured as 616 manuscripts. If you are a Bible student, you will know there were several manuscripts. Even that, by omitting uh, one yen, you get a 616. It was a mistake. If you read the manuscripts, you'll understand. But uh, that's, that's not for us. Uh, just to say that this triple six represented Nero, Nero Kaiser, the king of the day. And it also represents a future man like Nero. And that man, we will only know when Christ returns. Otherwise, it will all be speculation. So till the second coming of Christ, Satan has to keep producing antichrist. Who will be the final anti who will be the final antichrist? Only at the second coming of Christ we'll be able to tell this is he is the antichrist, the final antichrist. Till such time, it is only our guesswork. We'll keep thinking. Um,
basically what this chapter teaches us is uh, you know we we are in this world but we are not of the world we will always be under pressure from the world to conform to the worldly system that's why we we should be very careful because uh, we we should not even join some of the recreational activities of the world because we do not belong to this world i'm not saying all the recreational activities some of the recreational activities as children of god we have no business to be there because the world uh, it will confirm us to the worldly system now persecution has been happening for a period of time it has been uh, it's happening only thing we may not be very familiar but let me read uh, three incidents of persecution uh, you will get to know in a small asian country an assassin named ranjit who had gunned down many officers was converted through the witness of a pastor through his this new believers preaching and changed life many other people were converted but the terrorist group of which he had been a part demanded that he continue to work with him when he refused they came to the pastor's home and demanded that he come out the pastor hid him and was about to be killed in his place but rather than allow his pastor to die he came out and handed himself over ranjit was beaten to death his final message being tell my pastor i died a believer now taken to prison for the fifth time one witness who had been preaching christ for 20 years was placed in a hot 18 by 20 foot four room with no windows and 25 other prisoners each fed two bowls of rice a day once his nine hour daily interrogations began he be, he preached to his interrogators for half a year meanwhile many of his cellmates were being converted after interrogation hours his next prison station also brought many converts so he was moved to a labor camp where 120 men shared two toilets in a cell 100 meters square yet he was eventually released then iranian christian he said it is a shame for a believer to die of natural causes this is the statement of an iranian uh, christian george chen this is china he was he was forced to work all day in a cesspool filled with human waste but he rejoiced because the order kept others away order keeps others away allowing him to pray and sing as he worked all day while he was in prison 
the churches he had planted grew from 300 to 5,000. So this is, this is what, this is what's happening to our believers. This is what's happening to our brothers and sisters. And uh, we should pray for those who are facing persecution. Uh, not only we pray, we support them. And uh, this world doesn't belong to us. Uh, one of the way the world keeps us conformed to its image is materialism. It's time we think as to how we spend our money. Is there something we can do to help people who are undergoing this kind of persecution. The least we can do, yes, we pray. In addition to that, can we extend a hand of hell to our brothers and sisters who are undergoing persecution? Just because we are not being persecuted, it does not mean that others are not undergoing persecution. <clears throat> uh, in our own country, people are undergoing persecution. Uh, it's time for all of us as a community to rise up and to say that we should do something for people who are being persecuted. That's, that's my burden and uh, that's my cry. Uh, the little life I have, uh, let me go out and reach out to people who are facing this persecution because persecution is real. The Bible doesn't say that we will be uh, protected from persecution, not at all. We will be persecuted and we should be ready to face that persecution. Okay, if you have any questions, now you can ask. Do you still struggle with triple six or are you satisfied with the explanation? Understood now, Pastor. Good, good. So we can safely say, Pastor, that when the real Antichrist comes, uh, he may have a similar calculated number. <laughs> Not the number. Not the number. Not the number. But he will have the same character of Nero. Brutality, okay. brutality, demanding worship to himself, persecuting God's people, putting them to death. Uh, that kind of, that's, that'll be the attributes of the of Antichrist. I, I think we are having a sample now in some countries, you know, like China and other places. No, we have in our, Maybe. Place, in our own place we have. I'm not saying antichrist, but I'm saying a sample of it, how it will be for us to understand. I, I think what's unraveling in our own place is like that, in our own country, where the state power and the occultic power are being combined. 
and that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's uh, we can follow that, uh, but we don't know who is the final antichrist because the final antichrist we will know only at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Till such time, there will be many antichrists. The a man of lawlessness will be there. Mm. Okay, if you have uh, no questions, uh, Pastor, will you pray for uh, people who are undergoing persecution, especially for pastors and their families? Yes, Pastor. Father, we thank you for helping us to have a wonderful study. Lord, in the midst of all the counterfeits and Father falsehood, we thank you that your word, Lord, tells the truth. And when we go to your word, Lord, we can learn the truth, know the truth, and live the truth. Father, we pray that you would, uh, Lord, uh, remember, Lord, as we pray now for all the persecuted Lord, believers, uh, the pastors, the churches all over the world, including our dear country. Father, you know, many people are dying. Many people are tortured. Many, Lord, churches are vandalized, oh, Father. We pray that in the midst of all this, we pray that you would give them strength, give them wisdom, give them courage, Lord, and give them, Lord, Master, Savior, the anointing of your Holy Spirit to stand bold, Lord, and in the midst of all this boldness, Father, Lord, your, the, uh, the people who oppose them, Father, will realize uh, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we pray that you would be with such people. Lord, there are so many of them who are struggling. Lord, there is no food. Uh, there is no money. There is no Lord, Master, Savior, Lord, uh, uh, people coming, oh God, because of fear. We pray that every believer, Lord, will stand firm, oh God. The pastors will stand firm. Lord, the organizations will stand firm to preach the pure gospel of God, Master. And your name will be glorified through all this. And we pray, pray for ourselves. Father, we do not know when things will change in our own country, in our own state, in our own city. Lord, we don't know, Lord Master, what is going to be tomorrow, what is going to be the next week and next month. But we commit ourselves, oh God, Master, we pray that you would give us, Lord, the courage, Lord, to stand bold, to face it, oh God, Master, whatever comes our way, to be truthful to you, to be truthful to the gospel, to be truthful to the work that you had given to us, Lord, to carry out in your name for your glory. We pray that you would make us men and women of courage and boldness into your hands. We commit ourselves in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's all say this prayer. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, unfailing love of our Heavenly Father, and the ever-abiding fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.